I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means to be Jewish in the world today. Good morning and welcome to Tehillah Talks, this wonderful edition where we welcome back two of our past participants, uh, Jasmine and Julian, along with Roma and Bernie, who've been with us this year. And uh, as we come to the close of a calendar year, it interestingly enough, it, it uh, comes at exactly the same time as we end the very first book of the Torah, the book of Genesis, uh, Hebrew Bereshit, which means the beginning of things. So I'm going to start with that question. How do ends and beginnings seem to fall together for you, right? Uh, you're coming to the end of a semester. You're about to have a break from uh, your educational endeavors. That's an end. And what do you see coming down the pike as a beginning? So who wants to, to, to play with that question a little bit? Bernie, you're unmuted, so I'm going to assume you want to start. I... <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking. I, I honestly have no idea, to be honest. I, I have to keep thinking on it a little bit. Uh, okay, Julian, you have that Julian smile. What do you want to say about this? No, I just I I like how you called out Bernie immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess. I'm at, I, I'm at least at the be, at the end of my semester, um, but also the beginning of my break. So the two kind of, I guess, inform one another. Um, uh, I think it's I think it's good to mark the beginning of and ending of things. I think that's a helpful dynamic to have, I guess. And yeah, yeah. I think the pandemic has made that a little bit hard to do, but. Yeah, that's something you should strive for. I can definitely agree with that. <laughs> Pandemic makes it hard. <laughs> it does. It does. And it's a challenge that we're all facing. Roma. Not really sure. You're not really sure. Okay. Jasmine. Yeah, I guess uh, I'm sort of at the end of a few things because I just kind of quit my job as an RA. So that was interesting. I'm, you know bad job so I guess you can all like see why you people want to quit that but yeah so like starting next term I'm like gonna have to like look for another on-campus job and like not be a house chair that's what we call RAs at Bennington but yeah so that's interesting everything always seems to get really or it's sort of weird because I feel sort of a responsibility to still be involved in like ongoing things even though it's like my the term has ended and I'm no longer being paid for anything, I still feel really bad almost that I'm quitting because, well, first of all, I cannot I can stop complaining about the student life department at Bennington, but um, <laughs> but like a bunch of people quit, uh, like all of our bosses, so <laughs> I don't really know who's gonna replace me. So even though it's like I'm sort of ending my term as a house chair I really doubt that I will 
I think I'm just putting myself in a position of continuing it, but without money because no one else is going to do it, I think. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I guess for me, that's like uh, the reason why I thought of that was because it's like, I don't think endings are ever so like, like, like there's like a time period. So what you're saying is that endings are not necessarily yeah. clean. Endings can be messy. Endings can be very messy and beginnings. And sometimes I'll say it this way. We don't know we're at the beginning of something. We only, when we look back, we go, oh, yeah, that was the start of something. I had no idea that that was going to be a beginning, uh, that that would lead somewhere, that that wasn't just like a little sidebar. So yes, yes, yes. I'm going to take it back to the Torah portion again and follow through on what happens in it and that it opens with uh, Jacob coming to the end of his life and doing like sort of a life review and offering blessings to his sons. And you find of and it's the only time that he, that he addresses all 12 of them at the same moment. And it sure took him a long time. He was 147 years old. We have no other reference of him doing that previously of, of being in front of all of his sons. And he gives them blessings and he, in his blessings, he also sees them in their fullness, in their complexity. What strikes me about that moment is that, boy, man, it took you a long time to do that. I mean, really? You're 147. This is the first time you're, you're really looking at your kids and seeing who they are. In some ways, I find it sad. In other ways, well, at least he did it. So I guess the other question I wrote to you was about blessings, and that is about beginnings and endings. How can acknowledging blessings help you with a beginning? How can it strengthen you is, is my question. Wait, can I can I ask a question first? Sure, absolutely. What's yeah, what's an example of the type of blessing he's he's giving to the sons? Like, is it an acknowledgement of their characteristics or is it a literal like here's a gift or here's a something? No, no, he acknowledges their characteristics. He says that Joseph is like an archer with his arrows. And then I read an analysis that to be a good archer means you have to be very precise. And you have to look around you and you have to check out your situation. And he says that Reuven is unstable as water. And so, yeah, he gets right to it. Well, wait, wait, wait. That last one's a bit more of an insult, right? He's unstable. He's unstable. And yeah, he's the oldest. He's the oldest. But he's, but yeah, well, you know, he. Um, That's interesting. He slept with one of his father's concubines. You know, that, that, that could do that. <laughs> That could make you seem unstable to your father. But he's in the room. He's in the room, right? And Judah's a lion. I mean, you, you get this sense of, of seeing them for who they are. Judah is another example of someone. He stands up to Joseph without knowing that Joseph is his brother. And that takes a lot of courage. I think of the cowardly lion, courage. So it's those kinds of blessings. They're not, you know, uh, the blessing we say every why, you know. It's not that. It's a real seeing of the person in front of him and, and kind of saying, I, I get who you are. I'm acknowledging who you are in all your fullness. And in a way, that sort of reflects back on Jacob saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I was not the perfect dad. And I, I get it. 
Because if I had been a better father, you, my oldest son, would not, I would not be saying this to you. Right. So uh, does that help, Julian? No, yeah, no. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. But can you can you repeat the question now that I've gotten that clarification? So I was just asking about blessings that, you know, how can the notion of having blessings that you want to give to others, that you want to even give to yourself, are a way of, of empowerment, of seeing yourself and empowering you to go forward and maybe acknowledging those who help you go forward. I'm resetting the question a little differently, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a thought about this if nobody else. Yeah, I mean, I think this is interesting because I'm kind of imagining like a very powerful patriarch, 140. Like he's still, he's still kicking and, and yeah. So I think it's interesting that he's kind of, it's not so much that he's, he's blessing his sons as he is, like you said, acknowledging that he sees them in their entire humanness with their flaws, which I think could be a very positive and like cathartic moment for everybody. But it also could be kind of a succession HBO, like you know what I mean? It could yes. it could be very passive aggressive to be like, I'm dying after 147 years. You're unstable as water. You're an archer. Like, you know, I don't know. I could see there being being some dissatisfaction. So but the question I have is look, I, I'm gonna Jacob is my least favorite patriarch. You all probably know that because I feel like he's not the greatest dad. I, I mean, I have a lot of problems with him. I think Isaac is underrated, but that's just one person's opinion, one rabbi's opinion, but that's my opinion. And the women are underrated as well. But the power of the blessing is really what I'm much more interested in, is this notion of being seen and seeing others. So the question to you is, you know, have you ever stopped to think about the people in your life? Roma heard the part of this conversation in Hebrew school, but I want to take it to a deeper level now. Have you ever thought about the people in your life that you might want to say, I get it. I get it. I get who you are. And I really appreciate who you are and what you give me. And as a result, this is, this is how I can go forward because of what you've given me. Bernie. Yeah. I mean, Personally, I think I would say I, I do think about those things. The things that I, I recognize as I'm, you know, appreciating someone for what they're doing for me or something, something like that. But I think people in general maybe don't don't say those things enough. Like they don't put them out into the world enough. And it's kind of it's the same in this Torah portion. He he waits to say all these things to all of his sons until he's about to die. <laughs> like literally the last minute. And I think even a lot of the time, if we are thinking about how we appreciate people, we don't tell those people directly that we appreciate them. And it kind of, it goes unspoken and maybe unrecognized. And it, it may be hard to tell uh, if your efforts are like appreciated or not, uh, or if who you are is appreciated or not. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. I think, I think that's, that's something that we, we we've talked on, on the podcast before about being more openly thankful for things. But I think also this is kind of related, but a little bit different. Just saying things you appreciate specifically about the people in your life is important. And and do you think it's an easy thing to do? No, I think it's really difficult. <laughs> and I, I think it goes against our training. Yeah. 
I mean, our society is not one where we're told, well, you know, really, whether it's your parents or somebody else or a friend or it just, you know, I have friends I've been friends with since I was uh, younger than all of you. And yeah, these are these are my sisters, right? My sisters from another mother. And we are able to say that to each other now. I don't know that we would have been able to quite say it when we were your age. I'm going to be very honest about that. Um, any thoughts on this, Jasmine? Yeah, I think, well, one of the things that was kind of interesting to me is sort of like the idea of being able to like specifically like articulate what you appreciate about people. Because I've had people like ask me why I'm friends with like certain people or like what it is about people that I like or what it is about them that I like. And like every time, like I can't say it. Like I just don't like I'm not very good at like putting that into words. Like what I mean is like, well, usually what happens also sometimes I'll be able to like think about like the negative things about someone that I think are funny. But before I'm able to think about like the positive things about someone that I appreciate, because I don't know, I think it's kind of also nice to just acknowledge people as flawed people and like kind of appreciating their flaws sometimes. <laughs> I think that. But, but that's that's what Jacob does. I mean, he, just, he goes to the fullness. This is not this is not to say, well, you're just the sweetest person I am. No, who's going to buy that? Right. The joke about this, one of my friends is that when we were, yeah, we're about your age, it was New Year's Eve and we knew going out with her on New Year's Eve was dangerous. Why? Not because she drank, because she got tired early. All of a sudden she'd be like a bumble. We always used to tease her. You're like a bumblebee. You go, boom. And that was the joke, but it was, was complete appreciation and love for the fact that she didn't have the staying power of the rest of us to be up all night, right? It just, hey, but we love her and we would put it in those loving terms. So I, I don't think it's not, a, it's not about negative and positive. It's about the fullness. And how can we say that? Do you find that hard, Roma, to, to appreciate people in, their, in the fullness of all their complexity? Kind of, a little bit. Yeah, it's, I think it's hard. Uh, Julian? Well, um, I was just thinking about I think what something that Bernie said, which was the things that go unarticulated verbally. And I think that's that can also be an important aspect of this is like, what is your body language? And like, you know, like if you're yeah, like I think if we're looking at Jacob's relationship with these 12 sons and and over the 147 years, he's really shown them that he loves them and is, you know, kind of through his parenting and through his presence in their lives, then that adds, a, adds added meaning to the blessings he's given them because he's kind of really been there to foster them. So I think sometimes you don't acknowledge how much you appreciate people verbally, but you show it to them through like the intimacy of your relationship, you know, your body language and, and kind of these other unspoken things that are almost as powerful, I feel like. Right. Except we know we know that in Jacob's case, he had favorites. So, you know, right. But yes, I think you're right. But I think we human beings, we need to hear it. I'm going to just put that out there. We need to hear. Well, my after my mother died uh, during Shiva, there was one point where old friends of ours uh, came to make a Shiva call. It was just it was just us. 
And my uh, and the woman of the couple said, you know, your mother was so proud of you. I said, what? You know, your mother was so proud of you. Really? Well, she never told me. That was not a word she would have ever used. I know she loved me, but I didn't know she was proud. I mean, I, I maybe internally, yes, I did. But the need to hear it is really important. And so I probably overcompensate with my own children and tell them how terrific I think they are. But I think saying these things does matter because it gives us, the person who receives it, it's empowering. So that's the other question. Have you ever gotten from someone this this sense of, you know, you're really cool. I really think you're very cool. I think you have all these gifts. Have you heard that from someone? And if you have, how does that make you feel? I hear that at Tequila more than anything. <laughs> it's like I get the most blessings at Tequila out of everywhere. So um, <laughs> I'm glad we I, it do makes that. you feel honestly, it makes you feel a little disingenuous. Like people, people can be very like flattering and and sometimes you're like, Are you sure? Like I would go back and check the books of you know. But yeah. as, some, as someone who's watched you uh, over the years, I don't think it's disingenuous. I think what it is, is, is this amazement at, at being present for watching someone grow. And I think I would say that for all four of you, there's this, when you get to know someone as a child and watch them become uh, more and more of an adult, it is an incredible experience. And you want to say to that person, you amaze me. Uh, by who you've become. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Oh, Julian, I'm not saying you're perfect. Mm-mm, not at all. But I'm saying that you've become a mensch. You're a menschy individual. And that says a lot, right? And I would say that to each of you. You are each menschy individuals. You Showing up is something that's really important. You show up to do these podcasts. That, to me, says something, right? So, but but besides the healer, has anyone ever <laughs> acknowledged? Yeah, Jasmine. Yeah, sometimes, and it makes me feel really awkward because, like, even like I, I think I there's always this feeling of like, oh, you're definitely wrong about that. Um, like, for example, like usually it happens because, like, oh, like there was this thing that happened the other day where I was like crocheting a shawl. And I was sitting in like the common room of my house and I was like offering to teach someone crocheting. Then they were just like, is there anything you can't do? And I was like, like not in like a negative way and like a positive way. And I was like, so many things like math. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But they were just like, I don't know. It's like, it just makes me want to disprove them, you know? (laughs) Which goes back to what Bernie said before. A, we don't, we may think it, we don't say it. And B, if we get it, we don't know how to receive it. Mm -hmm. Roma, any thoughts on this one? (laughs) On receiving it. (laughs) Uh, Just for for the listeners, Roma is smiling, but she's not saying, not speaking at this moment. Yeah, somebody, even, even me, somebody said something very nice to me about me. And I was like, oh, thank you. And they said, no, no, I want you to own it. And I'm like, Oh gosh, this is hard. I mean, that was my inner monologue. This is hard. We are not trained to do this. We're not trained to receive blessings, you know, and the deathbed blessing, 
which we have two examples of this week. We have Jacob and then in the half Torah, you have David telling Solomon, here's the promise, here's the good stuff. And then he says, go get my enemies and remember my friends. It's bizarre. But that's like the first time they have an intimate conversation. It's like, no, these are not good models. We don't wait till people are dying to tell them what, what our relationship is. And how, particularly in this moment of COVID, where everything seems so much more tenuous, it seems that it behooves us to speak up and to learn how to receive. And so I, I would look to you guys for advice. How do we learn how to receive this better? Any thoughts on that? How do we receive when people offer us words of support? How do we internalize it? How do we take it? How can, you know, Jasmine saying, you know, Somebody telling me I'm good at everything. Well, I know I'm not. Well, none of us is. But but how do you take that particular compliment and just own it? Bernie? I think there's a sense, and this is kind of agreeing with Jasmine, there's like a, a sense a lot of the time of like kind of imposter syndrome. Like someone gives you a, a compliment, but then it's like, you don't like, you're not me. You're not, you don't know what I actually am like. You don't know who I actually am. It feels almost like you're deceiving them, I guess. But I think in this context of, of receiving blessings, I think it can be important a lot of the time to to accept accept that anyways and, and say, this is how this person views me. May not be how I view myself, but this is how this person views me. And they like that. And that is a, a good thing. I mean, if you like that person. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's maybe... At the beginning, at least, there have to be two separate things, like things you like about yourself and things that other people like about you. But maybe over time, if you get used to accepting the things that other people like about you, that can they can kind of merge into one thing. And and it can I think that would be better. <laughs> and and I think that's a great point. And I think also in what Jasmine said, there's kind of this duality, like if I'm not if I'm not this good compliment, I have to be this bad. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're the person is kind of defining you and you're sort of resisting that. And, and there's sort of that, this duality. And then with what you said, Bernie, about kind of this feeling of like, well, this compliment isn't really my true being and it's a tiny, it's an, in its entirety. And, and my humanity is kind of more expansive than that. But also the other person is still human and, and has that, capacity and, and depth as well as you. So it's sort of this, maybe a, a better way to accept praise is to just know in the back of your mind that like, obviously this compliment or characteristic or identification is, is only one fluid aspect of, of who I am and, and can be across different situations, you know, like rejecting the sort of, you know, if I'm this good thing, there can't be any flaws etc. And and I kind of wonder where this humble need comes from. Like this need to sort of reject praise and, and be humble. I wonder if that's like a Protestant work ethic thing. That's a, some aspect of that. Or I wonder if Jacob's sons would have been like, you know, re, like kind of shrugging a little bit when they were getting these blessings. I wonder how in in the ancient Jewish culture, how I, I'm sure they probably took this very seriously, you know, because I know the Romans took oaths extremely seriously. That wasn't something that was laughed off. So I can imagine this being very similar where it's, you only do this, you only get the 12 sons together once 
in a 147 year lifetime because it's serious to 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 give these blessings. So the, the, there's another there's another piece of so the hidden and the revealed, right? So I, I recently studied a piece of um, mystical mystical text about the nature of God, and that God is unknowable. You enter through the gates, and God is unknowable. And in the same way, and then later on in this text, it says, "Come and see." Even the human is unknowable. So we are, and I think this idea that any human being can be knowable by another, whether we believe in God, I'm not even putting that one on the table, but we are not knowable, fully knowable to anybody else. And are we even knowable to ourselves? However, however, in spite of that, accepting love, affection, caring, somebody seeing you in the fullness of what you're capable of is a gift. And, and how do we learn how to do that? You know? Uh, so I love this, this, this line that says, come and see, come and see one another, come and see the patient kindness that I see in Roma when she's in Hebrew school with us, you know, as she, as she watches these kids, um, you know, do their thing. And it's just, it's this, this presence. And I appreciate that presence. Right. So how do, but, but how do we learn to accept it? I think is really it's hard work. And you guys are at the beginning of your life. So you maybe get get better at practicing accepting it than somebody like me who grew up in a culture where accepting compliments for a woman exact is exactly that imposter syndrome. I have a friend who's a, an attorney for many years and successful attorney. And we've talked about this, uh, particularly as as women, this notion of imposter. Are we really who we appear to be? Well, yes, we are. And we're this other person as well. It's a yes and situation. Jasmine. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I think it can be helpful. Like if you are sort of dealing with imposter syndrome and like don't necessarily like have like a certain level of confidence or belief in the perception of other people to just like acknowledge that just because other people are perceiving you in a way that doesn't match how you view yourself. It doesn't mean that you're lying to them. Like, and that's, it's like, everyone's going to have different interpretations of your actions and your, and your like personality. And that's, and that doesn't mean that you're like tricking someone. <laughs> Cause it has, to- no, you're not, you're not tricking anybody. It's just, it's just, I think it's society. I mean, I do think it's societal. Roma, you have anything to say about this as, as the other female on this, on this? Not really. <laughs> Any thoughts at all about this conversation? Okay. But I also will say that as you get older, uh, I used to say to my mother, you know, she was 90. I said, mom, you can say whatever you, whatever you damn well, please. You can just say anything. You're old enough that you can get away with it. Now, I'm not as old as my mother was, but I'm at a point in my life where I feel like, okay, do me something. Do, just do it. You know, give me... Come on, bring it on. I mean, I'm, that's where I am. You're at a different point in your life where you, if you say that, it get, might get you into some kind of trouble. I will refer to a member of our community who recently, and I'm not going to out the individual's name, whose uh, school was in lockdown this week. And this individual thought this was complete waste of time to have classes on Friday and Monday and um, created a little revolution in one of the individual's online classes, which led to uh, the class kind of disintegrating. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm you know, that's we, great. We do. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's cool. That's the tequila spirit is like going <laughs> and, and starting a revolt. <laughs> well, you know, the individual's parents were all the students in that class have now switched to the tequila Hebrew school. <laughs> Suspiciously. <laughs> I do want to say, uh, so Jasmine's remembering a high school sit-in and I'm also knowing that there was a, uh, when, when my, the, the nursery school that my daughter-in-law walk, worked for, they had a regular, uh, they took these little kids out to, to protest on the Upper West Side. I don't remember what they were protesting, but here are these little four-year-olds with their signs, you know, uh, speaking up and learning how to speak up. I think that's the piece of it, you know, and that may, so let me ask this question. Have you ever been taught how to speak up and speak your truth and offer your blessings in any way? Has that ever happened in an organized fashion for you? Educationally, I'm not, I'm not, take it away from Tehillah for the moment. By your parents, by school, by Bernie. Yeah, that's actually, that's a good question because I think, the school I go to has a big emphasis on on that kind of activism and finding your voice and and putting your voice out there. But it's kind of hard to teach someone how to actually do that. I mean, you can show you can show examples of people who have been successful in doing that. But I think it's I don't know. I think it's I think it's hard to show someone how to actually express their voice. I mean, you could say like go make a tweet. And see if you can get some likes on Twitter or something. But I think there's there's also a lot of like social media maybe isn't the best way to do that. <laughs> but it's it's hard at this point. I don't know. Social media is is kind of the only way to make your voice heard in a in a big like global way. I think, and it would be really hard to do it in another way. But well, the question is, does it have to be global? I'm talking just in small in a community. steps. Yeah, in yeah, a yeah. community, yeah, because. You went big, Bernie, right away. You went this really big. But I'm thinking small. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking much smaller than that because you'd only, I mean, when you're a baby, you don't learn how to, I mean, some kids do run before they walk. But by and large, first they crawl or scoot around the floor. They locomote in some awkward way before they locomote in a more elegant way, be it running or walking. And I think even with this, it takes, it takes practice. And I, I, I guess what I'm asking is if you were going to articulate a practice as to how to do this, how to, how to acknowledge who you are and acknowledge those around you, what steps would you take? How would you do this? And Jacob is not the model. Right. Let's just put it out there as this is what you don't do. This is what you don't do. How would you do it? Bernie, you have a thought on this? What's step one? I, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I think it, I think part of it is, is making a commitment. I, I like, you have to decide that you want to do that. I think, I think that's a really important first step because if you can't make up your mind that it's something you want to do, then it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah. yeah. Forget um, about it. So I think a really important first step is making a decision that you want to. And then maybe setting setting rules for yourself in a way. Making, setting a plan, I guess. I mean, like a New Year's resolution. Anything. Saying, I, I want to do this. I mean, 
speaking of New Year's, right? And then once that, once you have that, just doing your best to stick to it, even if it is uncomfortable at first, which it probably will be. Um, but, you know, moving forward with that until it does become more comfortable. Roma, do you have any ideas what steps one should take in order to A, acknowledge oneself and B, acknowledge others? Well, first, in order to be able to acknowledge others, you have to acknowledge yourself first. So I guess taking time to like know yourself kind of and get to know all your interests, I guess, before getting to know others. It, it always goes back to Hillel, right? If I'm not for myself, who am I? And then it goes to, to step two. If I'm only for myself, what am I? But yeah, if we don't take care of the self first, it's really hard. Julian, you were going to say something. Yeah, I mean, I think to add on to that, like you, an important first step might be to speak from the heart, like whether it's raising your voice in protest or or giving a blessing. I think you have to mean it, I guess. I don't know. I think I think that's a good first step. Yeah, I don't know. Authenticity. You have to want to convey it, I guess. And then you go from there, like, you know, like Bernie was saying, how do you teach somebody to be an activist or et cetera? It's like, it's something everyone's capable of, but you have to have, I guess, a calling and, you know, and, and an opportunity and to see it through. So I don't know. Jasmine, you want to add your voice to this? Steps? Yeah, I don't have like a specific step, but I think for me, I find that although like I'm not great at confrontation sometimes if I feel like conviction or like someone or some someone like this might not be healthy but if it's someone other than me who has been wrong I suddenly grow like like I suddenly have enough confidence to like not yell at people but like confront people sometimes yell at people but only in a like non-raised voice and for justified reasons um but (laughs) (laughs) you've learned good parenting we know that parents are scarier not when they're yelling but when they get really quiet like i'm not i'm not mad i'm just disappointed Um, yeah i'm so disappointed in you i expected more of you whoever that is Uh, (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, it's well. I've had to. I really have had to do that as a house chair. That's I guess one of the things I've learned is like I've had to get really good at confronting people for like the safety and well-being of other people, which is kind of hard because usually, I mean, it's kind of why I'm quitting because I also in the moment like I'm able to stand up for people, but then I'm like, oh, I feel really bad for this person. I mean, it depends. It's on a sliding scale, but like. Like, because well, you're balancing out what you're feeling because you're very empathetic. So that's the other piece of that. But that's part of when you're talking to yourself, doing what Roma was talking about is saying, I'm a very empathetic person. Let me own that. Let me own that. I'm very empathetic. And that may get in my way sometimes, but other times it may empower me. And I think that's part of this process of understanding that what we can see as a negative can also be a positive. What we see as a positive can be a quote unquote a negative, but all of that together is who we are. And all of our gifts are, are absolutely unique. And it goes back to that, that, that text that, you know, we may see one another's face, their limbs, their, their exterior personification, but we don't know what goes on in, in anybody else's heart. We really don't. 
in order to have a sense of that, we need to listen and to pay attention. And that that's another kind of blessing, uh, which I think uh, Julian began with by saying, looking at the body language, looking at the way it's expressed through action, all of that matters. So I hope, I hope, you know, I, I'll give you all a chance for any closing thoughts for the end of the year and uh, anything you can get off topic, but I want to hear from each of you. And I want to thank you for really, it's just that I did not put an easy one out there today. And I know that. I really do know that, but I appreciate the conversation. And uh, I want to thank you all, especially uh, Julian Jasmine, who I haven't had on for a long time. Uh, and it's always great to have Roma and Bernie with us. And they're, they're the regulars now, um, which is terrific. And uh, just a closing thought as we come to this little break in the year where people can take a moment. And even with all the mishigas, all the craziness of what's going on with the pandemic, we live our lives. We need to live our lives. I just cannot say that strongly enough. So thoughts. Bernie, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, the last thing you said sparked <laughs> a lot of thoughts in my head. Like, this is our lives, you know. Um, yeah, I think it, I, there's something, I mean, there's, going back to the original theme of like beginnings, I remember, you know, March 2020. <laughs> I don't think any of us had any idea what a beginning that was. And it, it seemed like, you know, a thing that was going to begin and have a clean ending, like we expect most things to. And I think it's so clear at this point that it's not going to have a clear, clean, easy ending. It is, this is, you know, our reality now. And, and my school just got shut down this past week too. So I think there's, I mean, it's just, it's so unpredictable at this point. <laughs> this is the reality we're in, but like you said, we're living our lives, you know, we're going forward and moving towards some kind of a closing, hopefully at some point that I don't expect to be clean or easy, but will hopefully be somewhat final. And It'll we be can, a new beginning. It'll a be new, a new beginning, beginning, yeah. <laughs> get, get started again, I guess, right? <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. Roma, thoughts as we end this, end this year. The next time I see you will be, uh, I'll see you this week, but after that it'll be 2022. So. As we end this year, thoughts? Well, relating to what you said about like COVID, it's like kind of like we have to accept it and acknowledge that like there's nothing that we can change about that and that we're going to have to like live in this time. So it's kind of like acknowledging that and being able to move forward and accept it and like live knowing that we have to like endure this. And Jasmine? Um, yeah, I guess something that kind of interested me about what Bernie said was how like beginnings and endings are kind of the same thing. Like, I mean, he didn't say that, but that's what I thought of when he was speaking. Like how like something um, ends and that's also the beginning of something else. So yeah, they're both, I guess every beginning is also an ending and every ending is also a beginning. It's the snake eating its tail. Julian. I think... Well, it was a pleasure to be back. And um, I think one takeaway is maybe try to find one blessing in life and in your current situation or with an individual, et cetera, and, and appreciate it because it might not diffuse the other negatives or, or the circumstances themselves. But I think that's a good place to start is finding one thing and, and appreciating it. I will take your advice, Julian. 
wishing all of you a, a good break from school, a chance to breathe, a chance to be with family and friends. And uh, thank you all for joining me. It's a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to be with all of you. Take good care. Bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehillah Talks. For more information about Tehillah, go to congregationtehillah.org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.